Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. People believe what they want to believe. In almost every aspect of life, that is true. It's true for me. You know, I was going over the uh, political polling today and some of the races, you know, where I want one person to win and the polling goes against that person. I don't want to believe the poll. Now, I don't know whether the poll is true or not, but I don't want to believe it. I'm looking at, oh, I don't know about this poll. And it's only because of personal preference. So people believe what they want to believe. But there comes a time when the belief system has to be put aside and facts have to be considered. Real truth, things that are happening before our eyes. And the U.S. economy is one of those things that is the subject of the Talking Points memo this evening. So today we find out that the producer price index, PPI, has risen more than expected for September. Now, as soon as I say that glaze goes over your eyes, I know I took economics classes. It is stupefying. But what the producer price index is, is the cost to American businesses for their products, their stuff what they market. And it's up in September 0.4%. So that means that you and me are going to pay more between now and Christmas at least for everything. Because the companies just don't say, oh, well, we got to pay more, but we're going to keep our prices low. No. I had a big argument today with a guy who charged me a lot more for a service than last year, and the service was essentially the same. And he's going, well, you know, everything is up. And I'm going, wait a, wait a minute. You're not paying more for anything. What are you passing it on to me? He can pass it on to me. That's why he's doing it. So anyway, um, the producer price index is up 8.5%. And when you add what I call the VIG, <laughs> the VIG is what you pay gamblers when you lay a bet with them and you lose, they, they tack on some money called a VIG. Well, the businesses do the same thing. So if they have to raise their prices a certain amount, they raise them a little bit more 
so they can get more money, make more profits. It's just the way it happens. So I'm putting inflation between 10 and 12 percent in this country right now for working Americans. And oil prices are going up. Gas will go up again. You know that. Um, if you have to travel over Christmas and Thanksgiving, oh, you're going to get hammered so badly. Uh, if you can drive, drive, because you're going to get killed uh, in the airports. I'm not, I'm not flying. Um, anyway, so this is all because of Joe Biden. And, and I'm sorry. I mean, if your liberal friends won't believe it, again, it's what they want to believe. But that's a fact. Two years ago, just two years ago, America had the most vibrant economy on earth. I've said that before. I'm sorry to be repetitive, but it's the truth. And now we're tottering on the abyss. And what does the president have to say about it? Go. Should the American people prepare for a recession? No. Look, they've been saying this now how every, every six months they say this. Every six months they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't, there, has, there is no, there's no guarantee that there's going to be, I don't think there will be a recession. I don't know what he's talking about, but I got the last sentence. I don't think there will be a recession. Why? Because he doesn't want to believe there will be. Not based on anything, because if it were, he would have cited the International Monetary Fund, IMF. It's an agency of the United Nations that tracks world economies. And Jake Tapper, uh, uh, so old Jake should have had this, but he doesn't have it. I have it. International Monetary Fund says that global growth will decline to 2.7% next year, 23. Okay? So it was running steady this year at 3.2. In 2021, just last year, you know what it was? 6% global economic growth. Now it's down at 2.7, says the IMF. Now, who's going to get hurt? We'll get hurt, but not like China. China get hurt the most because it's an export economy. China gets money by shipping products it makes in its sweatshops all over the world. Well, people are not going to buy that. No, China, like this. Okay, just keep that in mind. But Biden, he doesn't know what the IMF is. He said, no. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. This whole thing will go down in history as one of the most absurd administrations ever to be elected. And I know some of you say, well, they weren't elected, but they were elected. They are in the Oval Office. So here's a shred of good news for seniors. Um, Social Security, the cost of living hike is going up 8.7%. It will kick in. Uh, it was announced. Um, it will be announced tomorrow. I got this ahead of time. So 8.7% rise, and you will see it next year. Okay? I think uh, it goes into effect with December benefits. So you'll get one year, one month this year. So that's good. Because senior citizens, many of them are in fixed income. They can't earn more money by taking a second job, as many Americans are. Many working Americans are. They don't have a lot of options. So this is only right. And again, it's Biden's doing it. So inflation under Trump ran 1.3%. <laughs> now it's between 10 and 12. 
And yet, there'll be people going to the polls on November 8th go, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for the Democrats. Unblanking believable. All right, so uh, the president going to Colorado. Uh, this is a campaign stop disguised. I love this. It's disguised as something else. So he goes to Vail, okay? And he delivers remarks on protecting America's iconic outdoor spaces. And who's standing next to him but Senator Michael Bennett running for re-election. And he may not win. I think he will, but he may not. So instead of uh, campaigning for him, Biden says, no, I'll come out and talk about iconic public spaces. (laughs) But this is just because Colorado is now a blue state. And I, I don't know why, but this might help Bennett. So then he goes to L.A. Uh, after that, Biden does. And uh, what's he going to do in L.A.? Let's see. Another campaign fundraiser with Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> All right. And you know the Hollywood crew will be out there writing the checks. It's insane. You're voting and giving money against your own interests and the interest of the nation. But people believe what they want to believe. They don't care. Um, And then he travels, Biden does, on Friday to Orange County, delivering remarks on lowering costs for American families. Yeah, all right, sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, And then he goes to Oregon, um, and this is a legitimate campaign stop for uh, gubernatorial candidate Tina Kotek, who's in trouble. A Republican may win the governorship of Oregon for the first time anybody can remember. I think it's Lewis and Clark. Uh, so Kotek's in trouble. And Biden is, uh, I think this, you know, because I said nobody wants him to campaign. Well, this is uh, one that does. That just came up, by the way. Okay, so in an interview on CNN uh, yesterday, uh, Tapper did get around to Hunter Biden. Go. Our reporting, CNN's reporting, and the Washington Post reporting suggests The prosecutors think they could, they have enough to charge your son, Hunter, uh, for tax crimes and a false statement about a gun purchase. Um, Personally and politically, um, how do you react to that? Well, first of all, I'm I'm proud of my son. This is a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on, uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, He's overcome that. He's established a new life. He is, um, uh, I'm confident that he is, what he says and does are consistent with what happens. What he says and does are consistent with what happens. What does that mean? If anybody knows what that means, because I don't know what it means. Bill at BillOReilly.com, name in town, please. Bill at at BillOReilly.com. Once again, what he says and does are consistent with what happens. He's talking about Hunter Biden. I, I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Really, tell me the truth. I'm and I'm sort of what. So, if I were, if my son got addicted to narcotics and did all the terrible things that Hunter Biden did, and then kicked the narcotics. I would say the same thing that President Biden said, that I'm proud of my son, okay, for overcoming 
a debilitating quality of life. I understand why Biden said it. I think that as a father, he did the right thing. But I don't think that Joe Biden understands what Hunter Biden did. And an excuse of addiction doesn't overcome criminal activity. You can't just walk in and say, oh, I was addicted to cocaine. So all the bad things that I did, uh, nah, I'm out. Don't hold me responsible. That, that's what Biden's pretty much saying here. Hey, he, yeah, he was addicted. He overcame it. So nah, what are we worried about? Plenty to worry about. Now, if Tapper had been a decent interviewer, which he is not, gently, because you don't attack a father's son, he could have said, look, there are a lot of questions about your son's criminal activity, drugs or no drugs. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out there because when the Republicans win the House, which they will, there's going to be hearings on it, Hunter Biden, and China, and Ukraine, and Russia, and the tens of millions of dollars that he derived. Those hearings are going to take place, just like the January 6th committee. You're going to have those hearings. And that's the kind of question you ask to President Biden. But I don't have any problem with Biden sticking up for his son. Fathers have to do that. They have to hope somehow that their son can be pulled out of whatever morass he is in. Okay? Now, fortunately, I have never had to deal with any of this. Um, and, but I know other fathers who have, and compassion is what is needed there. So let's bring in a guy, a very smart guy, uh, named Mike Baker, former CIA agent, 17 years, coming to us in Boise, Idaho. He runs the Portman Square Group, was an international counterterrorism, counterinsurgency operation group. It's a advisory group, and uh, they're in involved with all kinds of stuff all over the world. So, uh, Mr. Baker, thank you for helping us. Uh, you think sure. Putin's mentally unbalanced at this point? Uh, no, no. I think it, I mean, it may seem that way to the West, right, to, to the U.S. and our allies, because we tend to mirror our values on, on others, whether it's correct or not. That's just how we behave. But he's not an irrational actor, right? He's, uh, he's increasingly desperate. Uh, and that may be actually more dangerous than if he was just an irrational actor and those around him decided he had to be removed. Uh, but he is becoming uh, increasingly desperate. Okay, so you're a Russian general, and he's uh, saying, well, I might use nukes, and uh, I'm not bluffing. And you're saying, what? You know yeah. these Russian generals. What are you saying? Yeah, they're not going to stop the deployment of a low-grade tactical nuke. If, if I mean, if that's the, the top-line thought, is there a, is there a cadre uh, in, within the command structure there in the Russian military that would say, oh, no, we're not going to do that? Um, I don't suspect, my belief is anyway, that there is not that, that cadre. He's got an increasingly small, uh, shrinking group of, of close advisors that he's willing to uh, entertain and listen to and who are willing to talk to him and tell him anything that resembles the truth. He had a Security Council meeting today. Look, today was a very bad day. It's, what, 229th day of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Um, and the strikes that he lashed out on uh, from Kiev to Zaporizhia and Dnipro and Lviv, uh, 
over 80 cruise missiles, dozens of drones. Drones, by the way, that are supplied to Putin by Iran, the same Iran, not to disappear down this rabbit hole, the same Iran that the Biden administration is hoping to cut a deal with uh, for a nuke deal and then would lift sanctions. Uh, you okay. can't make this up. But I want to I want to get back to look. If Putin unleashes, as your word, a low-level nuke in Ukraine, he becomes a war criminal immediately, correct? Well, he's already a war criminal, and he's been called uh, but, as but, much. Wait, but far beyond any of the other war criminals. Sure, sure. He's, okay. it, it, so he number one, the number, one war, number one war criminal in the world, Putin. Mm. Can't come back from it, no negotiation. He does it. Then there would be a reprisal against Russia. Now, we don't know what that would be, mm-hmm. but it'd have to be something fairly dramatic. So what I'm saying to you is the Russian generals have to know that the West, NATO, would not allow that to happen without a drastic response. And you're telling me that these Russian generals, for the sake of what, Ukraine, are willing to their whole country go up? It's so hard no. to believe. Well, there's two, there's, two, there's two parts to this. One is I'm saying that he's a rational actor. So I'm also saying at the same time that there's, there's a very uh, unlikely chance, right? I mean, we're, the, the media is getting out ahead of itself, as is, I would argue, the Biden administration about this concept of a uh, potential nuclear strike, uh, which uh, the more we talk about, the more it normalizes this concept. I don't believe it's a very likely scenario at all, because, again, I go back to the same concept, which is I believe Putin, as calculating and as desperate as he is, is still a rational player. And then at the same time, what I'm saying is there is not a cadre of Russian military officers that are going to stand up to Putin and his close inner circle uh, to push back on anything. I'm very surprised about that. You, You know a lot more about it than I do. But I am just very surprised that the Russian military would even think of allowing that man to destroy Russia, because that's what it would lead to. I mean, the Chinese are not going to sign on to this. No, you know that. No. The Chinese, at the end of the day, the Chinese, you're absolutely right. And you've raised probably the, the, the key point at 30,000 feet, which is China, which is a major player in all of this. Right. The, the Russians are, are getting their uh, stockpiles renewed for artillery in particular from North Korea. North Korea doesn't do anything without the Chinese tacit permission. But China always acts in its own best interests. So you're right. They would put a hard stop on, on that prospective you know, use of a, even a low grade. And again, we're talking yeah, because the whole world economy world right now. We're whole talking world about economy crashes. Everybody yeah. panics. All right. right. And, and China is dubious economy now. So the generals in Russia have to know that. They have to know they'll be alone their leader will be war criminal number one, and you would assume the generals will be war criminals too. Anybody who was in that uh, a high-level position will be prosecuted in The Hague eventually. So they're just signing their death warrants by not removing Putin. Final question. If, the, if you're wrong and the generals say, enough with this, all right? Our country's getting torn apart for what? It doesn't matter. There's nothing in Ukraine that rises to even being close 
to the pain we're absorbing. Do the generals have the power to remove Putin? Could they do it? Could they do it? Yes. Uh, would they be willing to look? I mean, the, you know, the Russian military, in particular, the senior command, has shown over decades uh, their fealty and their willingness to go along with immense uh, violence and suffering over the years in, in a variety of theaters. But could they do it? Sure. Is there a potential? Is there a slight possibility of Putin getting so far back into a corner with no exit, no off ramp, that he decides? escalate to, to some low-grade tactical nuke. That's a possibility, but a distinctly small possibility, but we do have to plan for it. We have to game for it and, and, and understand what that could mean. Okay, absolutely. And I don't expect that NATO would be stupid enough to put out what they would do publicly. That would be stupid. But privately, I'm sure that there's back-channel discussions going on, uh, and Russia knows it will be harshly punished. All right, Mr. Baker, we really appreciate it. We hope you come back. And um, obviously, this is a hugely developing story, and we will be on it every day. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before, and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. So let's bring in from Washington to see Ashley Davis. Uh, she uh, used to work for Bush the Younger. She is the vice chair for Winning for Women, Republican. Obviously, she wants women to uh, participate more in the electoral process and will help them out. So, uh, Ms. Davis, we asked you to analyze a few races that are very tight in the Senate, Pennsylvania being the first one. How do you see it? If the election was held today, I definitely think that Dr. Oz would probably pull it out. I think the dynamic there would be that it, how much does Doug Mastriano, who's the governor's candidate, pull him down? But this, the direction of the campaign is definitely going in Oz's direction. So I would and put that in the Republican win column. Why do you say that? Why do you say Oz has momentum? 
Well, his his crime message, as well as the economy and the inflation, I mean, I think the country in general is starting to um, really have a problem with how much their gas is costing, how much their hamburgers are costing, how much, you know, the interest rates are going up. And I think that people realize that their life is not anything better. And so if you okay. talk so about- it's not, it's not anything he's doing. It's a national trend that things are bad everywhere, which they are that might help uh, Oz uh, defeat uh, Fetterman, 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 right? Fetterman. Uh, the guy also, sc- Fetterman's a really bad candidate for Yeah, I mean, he scares me. I can't even say his name. He's got tattoos all, you know, I mean, what do we have? Motorcycles in Harrisburg now? Is that, I, I don't know what's going on there. Well, but I'm anyway, a girl and, you know, someone working for Bernie Sanders um, is not something that Pennsylvania votes for. No, but... You know, the Philadelphia Democratic machine, that means almost everything in Pennsylvania. And I don't know where they are on uh, on this race. So let's go to Nevada. I, I have predicted that Laxalt, the Republican candidate, will win. How do you see it? Same. I think that he's trending in the right direction. I think that, you know, Senator Cortez Mastos has always been a weak candidate. I definitely think the NRSC is... Um, probably more surprised than anything that the candidate's doing so well this far out, but I think he pulls it off. Now, I don't know what the NRSD is. Tell me what that is. Oh, sorry. The National Republican Senatorial Committee. I mean, I think that some of these other races that we thought we were going to be playing in a little bit differently, maybe New Hampshire, which we're not anymore. But um, Nevada is something that they've always concentrated on, but I don't know if anyone has realized the good of place that they are in right now. Obviously, a lot more money is going to be spent there in the last couple weeks. Well, you know, it's again a mobile, uh, the unions in Las Vegas, uh, Democrat machine there, rest of Nevada is fairly conservative. So you think Bulldog, the Republican in New Hampshire is toast, huh? I do. I mean, the polls are, I I wouldn't say toast. I mean, it depends if this is going to be a 51-49 night for the Republicans or if we're going to be able to pick up 54 seats. I mean, the other races that I think that we should watch are not only New Hampshire, but also Colorado and also Washington State. And those are the three that I think are the sleeper candidates on the Republican side that we have a chance to win if we have a really good night. Okay, but what does a really good night mean? I don't know what that means. Does that mean I that think that it's a 53-54 working majority in the Senate where you're not 50 No, 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 but, but no. a really good night means more Republicans come to the polling places than Democrats. See, I think a lot of Democrats may stay home because they're getting hosed too. Um, and they may just go, ah, I'm not going to come out. What I'm trying to say is Republicans seem to be more motivated to vote than Democrats this time around. Absolutely. And I don't personally believe that the Dobbs decision or the abortion decision will bring out a lot of voters. Why? Why don't you believe that? The press is pounding that every day. I think it's a press issue. Now, going back to Pennsylvania, that's somewhere where it could impact Oz in regards to the Philly area. But I think that there's few people that that's the only issue they vote on and most of the people are voting on not just you know rights conversation but also women's rights conversation but also their pocketbook and if you look at some of the polling right now the um and granted i don't believe in polls all the time these days but 61 percent of the people are saying that they care about the economy and 21 percent are saying that they care about 
you know, the women's rights issues. Yeah, I mean, it's their top issue. So Patty Murray, long time, very liberal uh, senator from Washington State. But you feel that she may lose. This is my sleeper race, and not just because Tiffany Smiley is a, a woman, as you started out the conversation, but she has been working this process for a year and a half. She didn't have an opponent, so she didn't have to spend money in the primary. The NRSC has, the National Republican Senatorial Committee has, has backed her from the beginning, and she is in the margin of error right now. And actually, Senator Murray had to go up against her and spend money in starting in June, which was kind of unheard of. So Tiffany feels that, and she felt at that time, that if Murray's putting money in against her already for negative ads, she's a, you know, she's that has a true chance to win. Yeah. Again, it's all Seattle, Kings County, rest of the state's fairly conservative. Now in Georgia, Walker, you know, is uh, making things very difficult for conservatives in Georgia with his uh, personal life stuff. We are giving him due process, benefit of the doubt, but you know, it, he looks weaker and weaker and weaker. What do you think? I agree with that. And I think this is my only, I, out of Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Georgia, whoever will return, whoever will win the Senate will have two out of three of those states. And I would say Georgia would be the one that I would think we potentially could lose right now. I feel that Herschel had everything thrown against him in the primary and it really didn't stick. I'm not sure, and I don't think anyone is, if this is if something 13 years ago is really going to impact him or not, or if it's going to make people believe that this is just dirty politics. But you had the evangelical community come out for him over the weekend and support him. So, I mean, if you look back at 2016 with Trump, I mean, everything that people would say, there's no way that the community, the evangelical community, the conservative community can vote for him, and, and they still were able to come home to him. So... I'm just, I, I think it's going to be tough, but I'm not 100% sure that he's going to lose. I still okay. think he could. But the problem is, though, we have that 50-50. He has to win by 50, 50 plus one. So we're probably going to go no matter what into a runoff situation in Georgia, which will mean if, if the Senate's close, we may not know who runs the Senate for another month till December. So in, on election day, it's not going to be, if it, what is the uh, bar where somebody has to win to win on election day in Georgia? In Georgia, it's 50% plus one. So you have to win by over 50%. And so the okay. runoff is, I think, a, exactly a month later, not three months later, like it was yeah. two years so ago. You just have to go the cycle if they don't get 50% plus one. Arizona, mm -hmm. Kelly, you know, he's popular down there. Um, although the debate, uh, I understand uh, the opponent won, the Republican opponent won that debate. How do you see that race? I think Carrie Lake, who is the governor candidate in Arizona, could actually be very beneficial um, to Blake Masters. I think that he is someone that could, she could help him, and she is someone that's kind of come out of nowhere over the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't think anyone thought that she would be doing as well as she is. She's actually pulling even, but um, but I also think that Kelly's only up two or three points, which yeah, is a lot less than where he was before. And it was, again, uh, that debate might have helped uh, the Republican. Finally, uh, Mark Levin on his radio program, which leads into my radio program on WABC in New York, um, was really uh, excoriating Mitch McConnell yesterday for supporting Lisa Murkowski, the Republican senator from Alaska. 
because there is a more conservative candidate, Kelly Toshiba, I believe her name is, um, and McConnell is thrown in with Murkowski, who, as you know, is very, very liberal as a Republican. How do you see that race? I think Senator Murkowski definitely pulls it off. I think the new rank system voting is going to be a little bit tougher, but McConnell, Leader McConnell is not going to go against his sitting senators. I, don't, I think that he has every right to, whether he believes 100% in her votes, that he has every right to be able to support her as one of his sitting senators. All right. And I think Very he's good. the best name I see. Look, look what Mikowski, happened in that House race. Yeah, but you think Murkowski is going to win. You think that she'll, she'll win outright in Alaska. All right. I'm not so sure about that. I think I might depart here and say okay. Toshiba because... Murkowski really is not a traditional Republican, as you know. And uh, in the abortion and in the Trump situation, and Alaska, very, very small state and very conservative state. So I'm, I'm going to go against you there. But, Ms. Davis, uh, we really appreciate your analysis. And uh, in the end, do you think the Senate will be in Republican hands? I do. And also just remember that we did lose a House seat in Alaska a few weeks ago to a Democrat. Yeah, only because there was a four tier voting process that no one understands that holds Sarah Palin. If it were just the Republican against the Democrat, the Republican would have won. Either way, I hope we keep the seat in Republican one way or the other. Yeah, well, I think that's a fait accompli in Alaska. <laughs> Um, exactly. But I, I don't know if Murkowski is going to overcome uh, Toshiba. All right. That was a really good interview, Ms. Davis. Thank you very much for helping us out. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies. Hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the Internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so uh, Walker, to his credit, goes on uh, the media and answers the questions. Go. Did you ever have a conversation with this woman at any time about an abortion? No. Did you ever, to your knowledge, give money to pay for the cost of an abortion? No. Is she lying? Yes, she's lying. Yeah, she's lying. Yes, she's lying. Okay, so my posture on it is uh, due process. Uh, Mr. Walker is innocent until proven guilty. Obviously said it's more than one time that he didn't do this. Um, I don't know. Any more than that. I don't know. Uh, I think this has hurt him, but I, I don't think the people in Georgia want to vote for Warnock, a progressive leftist, in the face of all the horror that we are experiencing. So that's an interesting, uh, you know, Walker is still in the game. I think that's uh, what I can tell you. All right. So the next story we have on the rundown is uh, Mr. Fetterman. Now, this is fascinating. So John Fetterman is 53 years old. He was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Um, he actually is still that. And he had a stroke. And he was debilitated. Now, he is a far left guy. I mean, way out there on the left. 
Okay, no moderate positions whatsoever. But he was running ahead of Dr. Mehmet Oz because Oz uh, is a Jersey resident. He, he moved to Pennsylvania seeing that, you know, he might be able to win this race. Now, as you just heard, the betters think Oz will win the race. Uh, and now Fetterman has gotten a lot of bad publicity because he gave an interview to an NBC reporter. And here's what she said about it. Go. We had a monitor set up so that he could read my questions because he still has lingering auditory processing issues as a result of the stroke, which means he has a hard time understanding what he's hearing. Now, once he reads the question, he's able to understand. You'll hear he also still has some uh, problems, some challenges with speech. All right. So a senator is a demanding job. I mean, just on a health basis alone. I wouldn't vote for Fetterman. I wouldn't vote for him anyway because he's a progressive uh, and very soft on crime. And Philadelphia is just being devastated by crime. So, you know, Oz, very good chance there. Very, very, I, again, you're voting for Fetterman. You're voting against your own self-interest. So one of the reasons that the uh, Democrats remain competitive in many, many situations because they have a ton of money. And we told you yesterday that uh, Steven Spielberg, the director, he came in with almost 100000 for Hochul, the governor here, running against um, the Republican challenger, who may win, Lee Zeldin. All right. Well, what is it, Spielberg? I mean, but that's pennies compared to Soros. You ready for this? So far in the 2022 midterms, Soros has opened his groups. All right have donated $129 million to Democrats, $129 million. Now, Soros, you know, you know who he is. I don't even have to. Now, uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, running for governor in Texas, he got a million from Soros. Just on that, you can't vote for Beto O'Rourke, right? Okay, let's go to uh, Putin. So uh, he is the most dangerous man on earth, Vladimir Putin. Because he is threatening to use nuclear weapons. It's as simple as that. So I do a weekly program you may have uh, heard about called Shock and Awe. It is done for a streaming service, our partner, VidGo. V as in Victor, I-D-G-O, vidgo.com. And every week I do uh, an interview um, program with the smartest, toughest, uh, most interesting people in the country. So think about it for a minute. If you were going to interview somebody on Vladimir Putin, who you knew was a straight shooter, by the way, you don't want to interview people who are going to give you BS. Who would you choose? I chose Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. On this week's episode of Shock and Awe. So Putin, uh, this is speculative, but it has to be discussed, uh, launches a low-level nuke in Ukraine to do some insane thing. NATO has to respond. What do you believe the response would be? Well, I, I know what, how we were thinking about this problem broadly. I, I can't say everything because they're, they're, they're part of the planning process between DOD and the intelligence community and, and the like. But suffice it to say, there are many non-nuclear responses, very capable responses. I would actually like to have seen the Biden administration use some of those tools to demonstrate we're willing to do it. These sanctions today, Bill, for example, uh, Moscow is still thriving. The, the, 
the Russian currency, the ruble is still doing just fine. Uh, that shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't have a worse economy in Europe than we do in Western Russia. But that's and largely because I, I, of China and India buying their uh, fuel. Uh, yeah. The Russian people certainly not in, in good shape. Can you give me one example of a, a response to uh, a nuke by Putin? Just one possible sure. response. Think, think cyber. Think, think making things shut down inside of Russia in a okay. way that it can't be publicly proven who actually did it, but the whole world would know that this was a response to that. Okay, so that interview goes on for a while, and it's very uh, instructive. And if you read my book, Killing the Killers, you know the weaponry the United States has in conjunction with NATO, okay, and that we could cripple Russia without nuclear weapons just in cyberspace like that. Now, Russia could come back and the world then would be in chaos to some extent. But uh, the weapons that we have, and Putin has to know this, could take Russia off the grid. And that would create an amazing amount of chaos because everything is now interconnected uh, with this technological age. So uh, Pompeo was candid as always and uh, gave a, a really interesting um, dissertation on how to contain Putin. And again, you can see it on vidgo.com. You have to buy their service, of course, but you should check it out. It might save you money. You might like it. And as part of that service, you get moi, uh, shock and awe, once a week. Okay. I hope you're not traveling on the plane uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. I hope not. Airline f uh, fares are up. Uh, what are they up? To 274 average, 20% more than last year. Okay. And 43% annually. So they're raising, the airlines are raising their fares for terrible service. This is unbelievable. So far this year, nine months, U.S. air carriers have canceled 130,000 flights. 130,000 flights. And they're charging you more money, us more money. And you know what? In December, it snows. They can't get the planes off when it's cloudy. So I just hope. Be patient if you go. I was talking to a food distributor today, a big, big, big one on the East Coast. He says, get ready, the highest food prices ever for Thanksgiving and Christmas will be in play. So this is the Smart Life segment. The stuff that you need, cranberry sauce, stuff like that, anything in a can, buy it now. Right now, today, tomorrow, over the weekend, whatever, buy it now. Uh, the turkey or the ham or whatever the entree is, you're going to have to bite the bullet on that. I mean, you could put it in a freezer, but that's a long way away. But anything else that you don't have to freeze, that, that is what they call perishable, non-perishable, get it now. Everything's going up a lot. And, you know, this is horrible. And this is all a Biden administration. Everybody knows that. All right, this is a U.K. study, but they're like us over there in uh, Great Britain, kind of. 2,000 British adults. Um, <laughs> one in six, so what is that, 15%, maybe a little bit more, feel stressed the moment they wake up. So uh, it takes an average of 33 minutes before 
these uh, Britons feel human. 66% say they are so tired in the morning, they sleep through their alarm. 30% say they don't want to get out of bed at all. And 60% experience a dip in energy around 3 p.m. in the afternoon. All right, so we're all stressed and tired. I am. I'm not stressed so much as I'm tired because I work too hard, and I do. DC Comics, I, I didn't even know this, but uh, they had a uh, Superman character who's bisexual. All right, Jonathan Kent, son of Clark Kent at Lois Lane. So nobody bought the comics, and they're discontinuing them <laughs> after 18 issues. This is more woke. This is the, what I'm telling you about at the top of the program. They're, nobody wants this. They don't, they don't want it. Why do you keep doing it? And I'm glad it's I'm glad they went lost a lot of money. Who wants this garbage? No one. So DC Comics, a big uh, write-off of that. All right, here is the final thought of the day. As I have mentioned to you, I don't watch a lot of network and cable news anymore because I don't learn anything. If I'm going to invest my time, I don't know whether you're the same way, but I'm so busy. You know, I got books to read. I got places to go, things to do. But I will watch a news presentation if I think I'm going to learn something. But here's the, here's the gamut on cable news. And you're talking to a guy who pretty much invented it. Whenever someone is asked a question they don't want to answer, they do a whataboutism. Okay, so it's you can go, hey, you know, Senator Bernie Sanders, he's a nut. He wants to socialize everything and you wouldn't have a lot of freedom if he were in charge. The answer, what about Ted Cruz? (laughs) And then the guest launches into an anti-Ted Cruz answer instead of addressing the Bernie Sanders question. What about, what about, what about? It's called what about-ism. And every pundit has it down now. You ask a question that's uncomfortable or difficult, the guest pivots into something not even related to the conversation. Now, when I was doing the factor, that never would have happened because I'm so obnoxious and rude. Bang! We're not talking about that, madam or sir. We're talking about Bernie Sanders. Do you not want to address the question? That's what I used to say. Remember that? I'm sure you do. Never now. Never. They they just sit there like Seth Meyers and just... (laughs) I mean, I'm throwing stuff at them. And I don't, I, you know, the TVs are expensive. I don't almost throwing my shoe. No, don't do that. Anyway, what about ism? When you hear it, flee. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. We'll see you tomorrow with Mike Pompeo.